What's up? What's up, everybody? Yes, I'm back. I got a special one for us today. It is episode 103, Fumble Podcast. All right. I'm decked out in retail.therapy.clinic gear. I got the lid. I got the uh, pullover. Uh, I learned about anthracite from the man of the hour today. He's going to, uh, he's the man behind it all. If you guys listened to episode 101 and or watched it, preferably, you would have seen that I was rocking a anthracite t-shirt with a very similar logo to this. Um, uh, all uh, Iran-focused uh, gear. Um, and the man behind it is our guest today. All right. And I want to without further ado, bring him on here. He goes by Mo Namazi. Welcome to Fumble Podcast, my man. Uh, thank you, Pesh. Really happy to be here, brother. Absolutely. It's an honor to have you, man. Um, yeah, I love the background you got there. Are these logos, I mean, I know I'm recognizing a few of them. Uh, I know that, the is that the, the Paycon on the bottom? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's over here. Cool. Yeah, we got the uh, under my armpit here. We got the Nachmidi, which is the Batman one. A lot of people, that's uh, a pretty popular one. Right. Yeah. Some newer designs I thought I'd throw up here for people. We got our little Arasagi here on the side. <laughs> He's enjoying himself it. a nice little brew. And uh, yeah, represent. What is the, what's the three? What's the three? So that's that's actually zero two one. It's It's basically the. Oh, okay. You'll see yeah. a lot of uh, yeah. Tehran rappers. Yeah, they'll do yeah. this one, and and that's that's what that is. So a bit of a shout out to Tehran. We've got a bit of a Shirazi shirt here for our. Hey, our, I love it, man! Shirazi. I love it. This is yeah. cool. Yeah, and trying main... to keep it. Yeah, trying to keep it. Uh, kind of keep it relevant, right? I so. I love that. No, you you're you're more than relevant, brother. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're staying on top of it. Um, so guys, um, little update and and Mo. Feel free to chime in on this because it's, uh, you know, our motherland. Um, and uh, what's some of the latest uh, news that's happening now? Uh, by the time this episode comes out, uh, there will probably be even more, uh, hopefully, good news that comes out of Iran as far as this revolution. The revolution hasn't ended despite what Western media wants us to believe. It is not. It has gone stronger and stronger in these last six months. Um People are still in the streets. There's uh, nationwide strikes as of today, which is the 22nd of April. Um, again, this episode comes out later, but uh, it's been nationwide strikes. There's videos of it on my story. Follow me, by the way, Pejdemaniac, uh, on all my socials. Um, on Instagram, I posted it on my story. Uh, there's also a new video that's out. Um, some are disputing the validity of it. But I, man, I feel like this shit is real. I uh, I don't know if you saw it. It was the Khamenei speech, right? Yeah, I actually shared that as well, and I've received comments um, from both sides. Some people, like you're about to say, I think they're yeah. saying it's a setup, trying to show that you know they'll allow dissent. I I wouldn't put it past them to do something yeah. like that. Yeah. They've done it often. I don't think that's what this is, though, right? No. But just the fact that you see Khamenei losing his shit a little bit, yeah, and and kind of raising his voice. He's not that good of an actor, really. And it leads me to believe that this is probably real. And if they wanted to show that a little bit of attrition, they'd be doing that with the people, not necessarily with them. So I don't know. I'm I, I tend I'm gonna vote for the uh I think this is legit. Uh, I um I 
99.9% of me says it's legit. The point one that I feel maybe it's not is the fact that this video is pretty professional. Like this video is like taken. It almost seems like there's like a legitimate camera crew in there and they're catching the response. It's not like a security camera, right? It's like the camera angles are, it's as if like it was meant to be shared. Now, if we know this, if, if Khamenei doesn't want his crimes to be leaked out, he's very good at cutting everything out and not letting it come out. Yeah. And, and that's part of the reason right now a lot of people in the West uh, are under the false assumption that this revolution is dying down because videos aren't coming out mm -hmm. as, as rapidly as they used to. So, and that's again, because Khamenei and his mob are uh, cutting out the internet, cutting cellular data, their uh, cellular services. They, they'll go to the lowest of lowest uh, means to, to keep things inside the border. But yeah, I, I want to say it's real. Maybe, maybe uh, security was compromised and they got the video i want to believe that mm. but uh i just love seeing his fucking face just lose it because he realizes it's it's time it's time for you to go yeah. bro yeah. anyway uh but iran is you know and and on the more sad stuff is as you guys may have already know uh heard it's there's the poisonings are still happening the the they're spreading these gases uh this irgc ter terrorist and they're blaming it on on the West, which is asinine to me. It's hilarious now, sadly, because they still think that that narrative is believable. Um, so keep that, keep amplifying it, guys. My my, uh, obviously the 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 diaspora. We're doing this, but you know, I have a lot of non-Iranian followers on this uh, podcast, and you guys have been seeing that I've been dedicating a lot of my episodes to this because I would feel empty if I wasn't. Right. Even my non-Iranian guests that have come on, I, I have, you know, be Iran's voice or IRGC terrorist or, uh, you know, end Islamic Republic. Something to that uh, degree is always a hashtag on my pages. And Woman Life Freedom is always on the corner. You guys see it. Zanzan Nagy Azadi is, is sitting on uh, Mo's background as well. Um, that's right. That's what it's all about, man. They started it. They're going to finish it. Um, people inside of Iran are getting closer and closer. They're breaking their economic back again with the nationwide strikes. I'm so proud of these guys, man. They're 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 showing what bravery really is. It's just it's it's like awe inspiring because w what's my excuse, right? Sitting here in a free country, right? Um, and by the way, Iranians yeah. Iranians are spread. Far, well, we're everywhere, right? Mo's coming from Canada. I'm from Ca uh, what part of Canada are you at again? So originally from uh, Vancouver, but currently Montreal. So gotcha. To the East Coast, yeah. All right, we'll have French subtitles then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I don't know any French, so that would be all lies. But um, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's that's dope, man. Yeah, Iranians are spread all around the the world right now, and that is uh, worse for the Islamic Republic, because now we're spreading their lies and sharing the truth um, yeah. with the world. Okay, moving on gracefully. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about you a little bit, man. You were born in uh, British Columbia. Yeah. Um, how was that? Let's start there. How was it uh, growing up in Canada, being born there? 
to to Persian parents and yeah, you know what? It was uh, it was an interesting time, right? So it, it it's kind of like in Iran they they refer to people that were born in the couple of years that I was as children of the revolution because we were kind of born right when this stuff was going on, and um, <laughs> that definitely permeated to the West and in Canada and I and Vancouver at the time. A lot of people think of Vancouver right now as this world class city. And it is, and it's absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. When I was born there, about 200,000 people, like it was a small town, like on my Iranian birth certificate, it literally said, like they took the time to write down De Histane Vancouver, like the, 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 wow. the town, or the village of Vancouver is what even uh, they called it back then uh, when I got my birth certificate in Iran. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, there was, there was some racism that you had to contend with. Um you know, there was a lot of the uh, the shame that kind of came with wanting to really publicly say that, you know, I'm Iranian. Um, it was either I'm, Mazda Rani does a great, you know, I'm Asian, right? <laughs> yeah. um, or you kind of go with the I'm Turkish, I'm Greek, I'm whatever. It really depends on your beard growth and your melatonin level at the time. But, you know, we, we would try to get away with all of that. And then, um, but, you know, now it's very different, right? We're, we're yeah. pretty- so proud of right totally from and it took a while to get there but yeah absolutely uh but i'm i'm right there with you now as far as the being subjected to the prejudice and racism and all that yeah uh it didn't help that i was wearing my mom's boots in school so that (laughs) (laughs) never does right i don't don't understand that we all my sister my mom and i at at one point in our (laughs) me growing up we all had the same shoe size so we saved money like by wearing the purple and black and pink boots. It it worked. Uh it was worth getting beat up. It's fine. We saved money. Yeah. <laughs> uh man. Have you been to Iran? I have. I have. I oh, uh, um I visited Iran during a, a really crazy time, actually. So I was there for uh Khatami's last year and Ahmadinejad's first two years. And oh, so wow. I was there for about three years. It was a, it was kind of a bit of a Gilligan's Island story. I was going on a, a two month tour just to go visit my country, and then um, I ended up staying a little bit longer. Then I ended up being uh, declared a soldier, and I had to stay and do military service. But I didn't, obviously. Um, okay. It took me a couple of years to kind of get out of doing that, um, and then during that time, I I was teaching at a. Uh, university there teaching English, of course, the only thing I could teach at the time. Yeah, I opened up a language institute while I was there. That was super cool because I worked with only expats. So people from, uh, I had a, teachers from New Zealand and England and the States, a couple of people from Canada. Um, yeah, it was a lot. Man. Of- so all in all, how long were you there? About three years, just under three years. Three years. Wow. Uh, it was in my early 20s, right? Yeah. Or Yeah, it was in my early 20s. Um, and it was crazy. It was the first time I ever paid a bribe. It was the first time I ever did a lot of that stuff that yeah, dude, I've seen here before, um, obviously. And, and going there was, there was a lot of adventure. It was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of, a lot of fun because Iran is just an amazing place for people. Um, but yeah, it was an adventure and a half, my friend. Man, uh, that's, listen, I'm, uh, you you got to stay there for that extended period of time, and uh, did you go with family or you went by yourself? I went with my dad. He kind of okay. took uh, come come get to know your people type trip. That's uh, great. 
Have you ever been back to Iran? Or I was born there, actually. Oh, I was wow. born there. I was born in Iran, uh, Tehran area, Karaj, Tehran area. And then um, we moved to Baluchistan when I was yeah. really young. So we went to like, we lived in Sarawan, which was one of the towns. And uh, up until I think I was like four or five, we were there. My dad had a business. They were Baha'is. So they got, you know, they got the worst, a lot of, a lot of, uh, short end of the stick there. My mom did time before I was born for being a Baha'i. And then I was born and then we moved to uh, Saravan. My dad has started a business. He started his own business with an appliance store. And, you know, knock on wood, he did well. He was doing pretty well there, but they closed the store down, right? For different bullshit reasons, just like, and that's a common uh, practice yeah. by the government to, to do that for people who don't know. Um, and so much and worse now, right? Like so much now so much worse since the revolution but it's always like yeah baha'is in iran have always really kind of been treated you know badly right, right? right. like I, I remember even my father telling me stories he had a a factory or a couple factories in iran this is back in the 60s and early 70s and one of his best friends was baha'i and couldn't find a job for the life of him and he always had to kind of bring him in on everything and vouch for him and and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff and um, but yeah, what an amazing community. You know, I, I was able to go to school with, um, back in Vancouver with the sons of, uh, Hossein Amonat. And, and I'm not sure if you know who that is, but okay. he was an architectural student back in the seventies in Iran okay. Wow! And for the, uh, 2,500 year, um, celebration that the Shah was having. One of the things he did is he, uh, had a contest, uh, for some, for these architecture students. Right. Right. I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. square. And that's Meiduna Azadi or Shahiyad, yeah, originally called. And so, Mr. Amanat, whose kids I went to school with, um, yeah, I got to meet him, and you that's know, what cool. an amazing man, and and what an amazing contribution to, yeah. to our identity. And it's so sad that you know he's marginalized and has never been able to go back, and yeah, and, uh, you know, it's devastating. But, but yeah, listen, it's it's uh, poor attempts by this regime to. Uh, make money from division, uh, it failed it, and it's failing fast because yeah. uh, now everyone is more united than ever in my estimation. And um, there's still a few brainwashed that are left, you know, to, to unwash their brains and understand that uh, when we started to realize we're human beings first before any other of anything else, like let's put religion aside, like we're all human beings. Okay, now what? Then you'd realize it's all silly. Like, it's like, what are we really saying here? Like, oh, but my way is this way and that way. It's like, come on. I mean, like, it's just like. It's, it's tribalism, right? It's exa yeah. exactly what it is. It's this it's, idea of my tribe is better than your tribe. And that yeah. can translate into your football team. It can translate into your hockey team up here. Or it could yeah. be, you know, religion and, and culture. Right. And this imaginary line in the dirt. Uh, makes you know everything on this side of the line makes me better than what's on the other side of that line. And yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that, exactly. Know? And what helped me uh, humble myself is that all of my teams are horrible. So <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Your team's better, and uh, I have I have nothing to back it with. My team doesn't even have a damn name. It was the Washington football team, and then something else, and now they're the Commanders, which is horrible. Um, <laughs> and then if we talk basketball, it's the Chicago Bulls, and we haven't seen the light of success since '98. And uh, yeah, so it's been it's been rough, but it it taught me to be grounded and understand. <laughs>
<laughs> so, so being from Vancouver, my team was the Canucks and yeah. that English Institute that I started in yeah. Tehran, like right in Vanak Square was called Canuck Academy. Like that's how much of a hardcore fan I was. And they've been breaking my heart since. You know, Jeez, since dude, student. I know, I we, know. As as Iranians in the diaspora, you know, if it wasn't for our sport teams, I think we'd still have that sense of. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but they definitely yeah. don't help. Yeah, that's for sure. No, it's true. It's true. Oh my God, man. Um, but you that that's that's a very cool experience. So to answer your question, because I'm so good at it, I I haven't been back to Iran since I left, and yeah. that would make it almost thirty years. I wow. left Iran at, I think it was late '94, and we. Actually, we couldn't to really quickly button up the situation with Baha'is for people who don't know. Baha'is in Iran are treated the same way as the Jews were in Nazi Germany. Um, and, and it was actually a Holocaust commemoration um, recently. So which which Reza uh, Pahlavi has been in Israel for uh, almost a week. I don't know if he's back yet now. now but um, so, you know, he's his attempt right now is to make peace between. Uh, their prime minister, Israel's prime minister, and and the people of Iran, uh, and trying to, you know, clarify that the Iranian people love the Israeli people and vice versa, because the Woman Life Freedom marches are happening in Israel as well. Um, again, for people who are not caught up. But yes, yeah, so that's why uh, my parents, after my dad's shop was closed for the third time, he decided that we have to leave, and he never wanted to leave Iran. Um, so we left, and we had to actually get smuggled out. We got into Pakistan for seven months, and that's a good number, seven months, because most people were stuck there for three years until they got their visas granted to them. And then, um, you know, the embassy opened up for to go to the U.S., and so we took it. And we came and we lived in Maryland for the first 10 years, and I've been in Sacramento since. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, my parents, my sister, and her family, they've all gone back uh, a couple times. I, I for some reason different reasons i just haven't gone back but i feel like now it's it's gone to the point where i feel like yeah i uh it was meant to be for me to go back once it's free you know yeah. and if i go back now uh, i'd probably be hung but uh <laughs> so it's you wouldn't uh, make it uh, far past the airport <laughs> yeah i know yeah. if you yeah, if they look at one <laughs> Yeah. So those late nights when I'm sitting there watching these videos uh, on Iran, I'm like, you know what? That's it. Tomorrow morning, I'm calling my travel agent. I'm back. I'm blind. I, I'm going to go on Expedia. No, but I, I'm going <laughs> to go to Iran. I'm going to go right in the front. I'm gonna, and then I go, you're not going to make it past customs. What are you talking about? That's yeah. you know, it's. Um, they have an eye on all of us, all of the more, diaspora. Right? Yeah. They, they know they know everyone who's involved in, in amplifying the real <laughs> Iranian people inside of Iran. We're amplifying their voices. Uh, Mo has been doing it. I mean, he's and and we're going to get into this as a segue because um, that I want to know more about this. And I'm going to use your words. What the heck is a retail therapy clinic, and why did you start it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we, that, that's a question we sometimes get. And, and uh, really, the idea, the concept, Pej, is is you know, we all know about retail therapy, right? It feels good to go and blow money on, you know, that you don't have on something that you don't need and, and it's quite therapeutic. Um, but how do we take that and kind of extend it throughout the entire process, right? How do, so what we did is we said, we're going to, and, and much, many of our earlier designs were exactly that when before the revolution, we could actually work directly with Iran uh, competently. Um, 
it was, you know, how do we give a voice to the voiceless? So we would mm. graphic artists that were underrepresented or marginalized in their own country. For example, in Iran, we had a, um, uh, well, we have a, a gay graphic artist who absolutely couldn't express himself the way that he wanted to back home. So we get him to create art for us that we would pay him a, a good wage for that he can actually, you know, buy groceries for his family. Yeah. And then we would then use that here to, you know, express what he couldn't express back home. So that's kind of where the design comes from. And then the processes is, you know, we try to use materials that are um, ethically sourced, sustainable, um, and then processes that are ours uh, that are the same. So, you know, toxic dyes, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, we then ship out directly from our workshops so that there isn't a lot of carbon footprint to get the stuff out. Um, and then finally, we like to give back. And that can either be in the materials that we use, and it can also be in um, profits and proceeds that we give to non, you know, nonprofit organizations. So, you know, partial proceeds from all of our lines go to different causes that are relevant to that line, um, except for the Zanzedigi line, uh, Zanzedigi Gazadi line, which is 100% uh, going to, uh, to two organizations that I felt early on were doing some really, really good work. Um, and then, as I said, with the materials, like we have phone cases that once you're done using them, just throw them in the compost and they're gone in three months. So, oh, wow. you know, like that, that, you know, it, it kind of brings that whole feel good vibe full circle uh, throughout the entire uh, entire process. Man, you, you've thought about all the angles on this, which is great. And and <clears throat> the the proceeds and all of that, I, I need to talk to you uh, soon about. Because I'm trying to put together a comedy show in in LA, with the proceeds of it going directly to some sort mm -hmm. of charity that's actually verified that can get to the people of Iran. So sort of how you did with with this person in Iran that's helping you with the design. Um, I I, I want to make something. Do you still work with them now, or is it harder now that the? It's harder now because we can't really get assets in and out because of yeah. the broadband issues um and then yeah it needs to and and, and so that, that's a bit of an issue so yeah um you know we do do some low tech stuff i've been giving them some work with um so like very early on in in the revolution um we realized that you know the key here that you know the the, the key thing that we could do in the diaspora was spread the word yeah um one of the first things that i wanted to do was create um a, a profile picture frame for for Meta for Instagram and for Facebook. I they you, you used to be able to upload these yourself, like it was it was user created. Um, stopped doing that at COVID because I guess people were putting some crazy stuff out there and, and it was spreading. Oh, wow. uh, so then you have to actually ask them to add it. I was lobbying for that for a while, didn't work. So then what I decided to do is say, you know what, we'll do it. Um, and so starts putting the word out there that. If you want a I support the people of Iran uh, profile frame, just send us a photo. We'll do it for you. So that work, because it's very low bandwidth, I've been kind of getting them to do to keep them, you know, keep, keep them working. Um, those that are the ones that are in Iran. And, and it's been really successful. You know, we, we've made it obviously available for people to just download and use. For those that have sent it to us, we've been doing it for them. Um, I think we've done over a thousand so far. And, and a lot of them that we've received recently have been from Iran, which which is so cool, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That, that sense that you're actually, you know, people in Iran are seeing what you're doing and they're appreciating and they want to share with the same voice. And and so that was, that was humbling and, and absolutely. That's you know. incredible. 
that's really cool because yeah sometimes uh, if i'm being honest sometimes i feel like there's like two versions of of this uh iranian iran revolution both outside and inside i feel like sometimes when i get messages from people inside of iran i almost feel like oh shit they actually noticed <laughs> you know it's like i feel like whoa like we're we're fighting for them despite the fact like they don't even know we're we're doing that i that's how i feel like yeah. uh my first instinct but then i push past that i'm like oh wait a minute yeah th it, there's the fact that they're sending videos out is confirmation that they know we're sharing their voice right yeah. but it's easy to think like okay they're kind of like i mean and they are in a way trapped inside of this country with this mm -hmm. regime so it's almost like are they hearing us or not so yeah what you're saying is it it's mm -hmm. a it's a great feeling of affirmation but also like motivation like all right let's gotta gotta do more and how many years is the retail therapy clinic has been going on now you know it's been only two years uh we were working for a little over a year before all this stuff started um and uh yeah it's it's been a, it's been an interesting and exciting ride so far that's awesome man and uh wish you nothing but abundance and success uh did you do did you love clothing like doing uh retail from young or what yeah not that you're not young now i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> i'm an old man what are you talking about um you, you know what uh yeah uh, you know to to a degree absolutely for me it was more the creative aspect of it and it was the whole um you know, how do we, how do I build a legacy? Right. And, and it had more to do with that. So we kind of started with the concept, um, and, and kind of grew from, grew from there. You know, my, my background, I, uh, I work in technology, um, and, and marketing, yeah. uh, very, very dry stuff. Although I work for a, a pretty cool, uh, gaming studio. Uh, and, and so we make some cool, uh, some cool games and that's all fine. But it's not a way that I can kind of express myself the way that I want to, and um, and this has been it. I felt that there was a it was a bit of a, a lack in the market for those of us that are here, and we want to have that connection, but we want it to be relevant too. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where it where it was born from. More I than, love it. I love it. Kind of do some good. Right? It takes. That's some. That's my weakness is on the marketing and the business side. So I'm just going to lean on you for a lot of advice. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. Because I'm, I'm working on my own brand, Page Maniac brand and all that. So um, because it's all about me, right? So, <laughs> but no, um, no, that's cool. I, I love that. And you did some comedy too, right? I did. I did that for about a year. So my parents, uh, this was this was back when I was in university. My parents took a trip to Iran together. Yeah. Um, and they were there for about a year. And I was like, fantastic. Because I'm from the generation where... You know, there's really only three careers. <laughs> yeah, you're I an get absolute it. abject failure, right? You're not getting a lot of support. <laughs> and so while they were, uh, while they were away, um, this mouse did play. So I, I hey. kind of tour across Canada. Never went down to the states. Um, it was a lot of you know, back then. It was Yuck Yuck's Comedy Club and uh, yeah. a lot of Army and Navy locations and lodges and things like that. But it was it was fantastic and. I never really kind of went back to it, mainly because if I used anything similar to the material I used back then, I'd probably be canceled in five minutes. Like that would be it for me. Yeah. Uh, this was the this was the 90s, right, and so things were 
okay very, very different yeah it was woke. we watch it now and we cringe right it's like <laughs> yeah. what were they thinking back then? isn't that cr- isn't that funny how that happens like how yeah. our minds like as as a society like we kind of follow waves yeah. together right we have independent minds but we also have dependent minds it's it's yeah. it's interesting thing like i mean and if you go against the grain you you get canceled like you said or mm-hmm. or you know you're you're cornered it literally can affect your career i mean many people way way more successful than myself are getting feeling this right and yeah. and i'm not saying it's not warranted it, it some of it is warranted uh, i'm just saying it's interesting how the the society as a world we we go through these acceptable norms so it's, and you hope uh, that we're evolving right you hope that we're heading into the right direction i would have to say that for most of it um i'm good like i'm good with where we're heading with yeah. a lot of stuff sometimes it can be a little bit extreme and then there's extreme cases and everything right like you don't those shouldn't be where how you judge it but um i hope we're moving in the right direction i really uh-huh. Yeah. I think the mind is evolving as a as a whole in the human mind uh and an unpopular opinion not so unpopular maybe as much now but I feel that <clears throat> the human mind has evolved past the need for religion mm-hmm. and and that is a again that's a hot topic and um I'm always open to discussing it with the most devout religious people because I have nothing but respect for anybody that practices their religion. I'm not trying to change people. That's not at all my point. My point mm-hmm. is I'm just saying I'm seeing with the younger generation, younger than myself. So, you know, millennials down, I feel like especially the Gen Z, they don't they don't care what religion you are. They don't care mm-hmm. what color you are. And I I know this because I have two nieces that are Gen Z and they have friends from all shapes and sizes and colors and mm-hmm. and and all religious backgrounds and but it doesn't even get there it's just about that bond and that purity and in, in their connections mm-hmm. so you know it's like and i see that with my nieces and i teach kids because you know as a music teacher i, I teach kids all the time and i see that they're, like i bring up something about religion and they're like why does that matter like it's just like and then i'm like wow they don't even think about that anymore right mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't know how uh you feel mm-hmm. about that but you can work. I agree. No, man, I, I agree with you 100%. So my, <laughs> my, my major in university. So again, I, I'm coming all over the place. Like I'm, it's kind of, I'm the guy who plays video games and I just go out like strafing fire and I'm all over the place. Right. Um, so <laughs> uh, my major in university was um, religious and classical studies. Oh, wow. Right? And then I went into technology and, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. marketing. but, but the whole reason I went into that was, um, because it's it's basically comparative religion is what you would kind of call it these days. And the idea is to basically the study of religion, not religious study. Right. So <clears throat> I always call it like uh, being in the Wizard of Oz and looking behind the curtain and seeing the wizard for what he is. You know, when you start looking at religion as um, as a discipline and, and, and with the eyes of an archaeologist and all that sort of thing, you actually tend to appreciate it more. I find that this idea that this is an untouchable, um, sanctified, uh, you know, piece of literature that is absolutely perfect in every way diminishes it a little bit. It's not. We've got some great thinkers over time who had to, a lot to contribute. And this hangup, again, it's the tribalism that I was talking about. Right, right. But if we go with that hangup of what's mine, what's yours, let's have that division. 
uh, we lose out. It's like going to a library and saying, I'm only going to read books off of this one shelf, right? You're missing out on so much. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of what I always try to, you know, see it as that there's so much to learn out there from all of these different groups. And this is where you have to divide between religion and faith and belief, right? Faith and belief is beautiful. Religion is corrupted and corruptible. And uh, that, that's, you know, it's sad. And that's coming from someone who spent his teens fundraising for, you know, my, I go by Mo right now. My yeah. parents, in their infinite wisdom, um, you know, after the revolution in Iran, decided to name me Mohammed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I carried that my entire life with me because I just thought it was disrespectful to change my name. But I just go by Mo. Right. Um, I wasn't and, gonna say it's Mohsen, right? It was- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, it's funny. I was uh, I was speaking with a, I was over at a um, a Jewish coworker's house for Shabbat dinner, and then he had friends, he had family over rather, and they asked me, they're like, "Oh, Mo, is that is that for Moshi?" I'm like, "No, no, it's <laughs> yes, <actually."> it is." <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Um, but uh, but I yeah, know. Anyways, um, you know, in my teens, I was fundraising to build mosques in. Mm. in- and then I go through this awakening in university where, like I said, I look behind the curtain, you know, all this while I thought this wizard was the answer. And then I look, oh, my God, it's just a sick old man, you know, fooling me. I need to I need to really understand what this is and where that true power lies. And it's in myself. It's in yeah. my fellow man, not in something that was written 2000 years ago that I'm going to force myself to believe is absolutely absolute truth no matter what. Wow, dude. That's you hit it perfectly because um I had a similar journey, right? Different religion, Baha'i faith, mm-hmm. of course. Again, the basics, I think the fundamentals of a lot of these religions sync up. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's about be good to others, right? All the all the positives about being a good human being, I have nothing against that. I think I have nothing against religion actually at all. But I what I'm what you're saying, it seems, and what I'm saying is that there's uh, having faith and and being spiritual, it 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 trumps it. It trumps being religious because religious is is stationary, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. religion, uh, it can become blinding because you're looking at one source, like you said, uh, take reading books from one shelf in a library. It's a uh, it's very true, it, and and it, it creates tunnel vision, um, tribalism, and it and it tries to create you to be different from that book over there or that religion yeah. over there. But the truth is, it's like this book is two thousand years old. That book is five thousand years old. This book, let's use Baha'i faith. Their books are like almost two hundred years old. Yeah. So relatively speaking, it's supposed to be much more modern, but there's many questions I have about that myself, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's not, I'm not poking at any religion, right? Um, I'm just saying anything, listen, we just said 90s till now, it's a whole different world, yeah. right? And it's been not even like 30 years, let's say. So imagine 200 or 1,000, like it, if we're just being realistic, you realize, wait a minute, we're evolving past what we're believing right it's like and and that's where i came up with that theory that you know we're evolving past the need for at least this version of religion that we a lot of people have been following especially our parents generation right our parents generation and because they came here to survive right as survival um, uh 
when when you're surviving in a country that's uh ran by dictators it's it's easy to have a religion to to lean on because it, yeah. it's safe and and you make a lot of decisions from fear and, and legitimate fear because your life is on the line you know so then, it's that uh, fear right it's that yeah. fear that drives all of it like i i remember being in a I think it was an anthropology class. Yeah. It was it was one of the reasons why I decided to kind of take that path and study what I was studying. And the you know the professor comes out and goes, you know, what what's the world's oldest religion? Yeah. You know, someone's like uh, Judaism. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Hinduism. No. Nope. But he goes, oldest religion was when two cavemen decided to go out hunting and they had to sleep outside of the cave that night. And they were scared. They could hear stuff in the forest and they look up at the sky and what they see is a bunch of eyes looking down at them. And those eyes can either be the eyes of a tiger. You know, you see how it reflects light and, you know, is it something dangerous or is it your ancestors? And it became their ancestors. And, and, what, and, and it was that comfort that it gave them. It, it kind of subsided that fear of yeah. what they were going through and made them feel better about themselves and, um, and the situation they were in. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally see that. And that is a, that good, is a yeah. very interesting um, story i haven't i hadn't heard that uh but that's really cool that so basically it's perspective is what we're saying it's just perspective because yeah man that's that's super uh that's important and it's important to have these discussions because uh that's the fact that like you know you and i have never met in person you had your own life right yeah we're both iranian from iranian descent but i've had these top conversations with the whitest of the whites and the you know the darkest skins of the darkest skin and, and, and that's the point we all have similar uh views at least at least our generation right it's yeah. like and then the whole idea of of walls and di- and division and all that just kind of dissipates away cuz the fear is gone information is power and and when you have that then you realize the fear was uh due to lack of that mm-hmm. and and that's literally what's happening in Iran because they're all educated all the younger generations they they know how to do research i i always say the biggest mistake Khamenei did that olaf is that he he allowed in smartphones and now you know you expose yourself right because now people can google anything and they can search anything they can verify anything or or uh fact check anything and and that's what's causing this i think a big part of this revolution plus the 44 years of turmoil that they put them through but um I want to carry on with uh, yes, my next absolutely. question for you, which was, what is one of the most interesting, enjoyable aspects of the business and uh, yeah. getting into getting back to retail therapy? Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you. Um, honestly, uh, it's I'd have to say it's the sense of community, meeting people, um, you know, working with with different individuals, meeting people like yourself, right? Like, and and uh, you know, working with uh, you know with different micro influencers, different you know, musicians, all that sort of thing. It's, um, yeah, it's amazing. You know, and I love working with other Iranians in the diaspora, mainly because I did go through such an isolating experience growing up, feeling as though I'm the only one who feels this way. On the outside, I'm, you know, Mohammed, this Iranian Muslim. On the inside, I'm Johnny Canuck, and I, I don't even understand why people are looking at me. <laughs> You know, and and to yeah. actually be able to talk to others that are have gone through that experience or are going through that experience, um, 
is is amazing. And you know, there's this amazing jewel of a patch of land um, that is really what connects us all, um, and the culture that grew out of that, and and, and where it is, and and being able to share that beauty with people. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. Basically, I'm just looking for good vibes. That's all. <laughs> well, that's what it's got to come from, right? It's got to be from yeah. love. If you have love for something, uh, uh, that translates to passion, and then it builds community, and and the rest just works itself out, man. I, mm. I, I hundred percent feel that in my lane, which is comedy and acting and and music. So I totally understand it. And yeah, I'm so you know, and we're lucky enough, and I'm lucky enough to to have connected with you. And by the way, we got some things in the works, so mm-hmm. keep an eye out, right? Uh, more to come from those later. Um, and and yeah, and I got you know, I got to rep this dope ass uh, mm-hmm. clothing brand, and everyone should go. By the way, plug your channels if you have a website. Plug all of that right yeah. now, so people know where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. So on uh, on TikTok and Instagram, it's just retail therapy clinic. So kept it really easy. Um, and then our website is, uh, the same www.retailtherapyclinic.com. So yeah, there we go. Awesome. As long as you remember that silly name, uh, it's easy to find us. Yeah. RTC. No, that's the, the abbreviation is easy. And then that helps yeah. you remember it, you know, even yeah. though it's, you know, a, a page long, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. No, uh, it's nice. Uh, and I agree by the way, to, this is a huge callback in the beginning. You said we shop for therapy and you're right. And that's why I'm broke. So, <laughs> no, it's it's good. Uh, I'm not that bougie of a person. Yeah, that's why I'm in Sacramento. But yeah. uh, any speaking of which, this is a funny segue. Any exciting collabs coming up soon? Um, yeah, there's a bunch. So you mentioned uh, we're yeah. working together with uh, with a few of my favorite, uh, a few of my favorite people down in Cali and across the states uh, in the next few days. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Yes, yes. Uh, Working with a lot of cool micro influencers, I did a podcast with the uh, uh, the Chai Guys podcast season. Yes. That was fun. I was able to to sponsor that, and 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 was working with the guys there. Um, there's another, and I don't know would I be using the term podcaster. He he does reviews, and he and I guess it is a podcast um, and reaction videos to uh, to Persian rap, Persian music, that sort of thing. And he's quite outspoken. Um, quite blue as well, Maury Hemo, and he's he's absolutely hilarious, and he's been doing a lot of work in Turkey, uh, trying to spread the word on the revolution. So that was great. Yasmin um, Aker, that was amazing. You know, she she did a video for us, and that was really nice. Um, I uh, Tohi reached out to us, so you know that was pretty cool, kind of being starstruck there. Tohi reached out back in December and said. Hey man, looking for some Zanzanigos at stuff. What can you send my way? And so sent those out. So you should be seeing him uh, soon, kind of donning yeah. as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, the, but there's, yeah, like I said, there's a lot more coming up as well. And we also got some um, non Persian artists in the mix as well. So I'm not oh, sure, really? if, you know, Yakopo. Um, there are a couple other artists that, uh, that are based out of the Europe uh, as well that we're going to be working with soon, mostly on our Come As You Are collection, which is our LGBTQ collection um, and our diversity line. But uh, but they're also going to be promoting a lot of the Zanzanigos at least stuff to a wider non-Persian market, which um, which I think is going to be really cool. That's amazing. Beautiful, man. Um, I love that you're hitting all of these different demographics and and you're inclusive all inclusive which is which is super cool and um 
but it all stems from your love and passion for it, man. I'm, I'm telling you that that's, you. that's your fuel. Um, Iranians, we know about fuel. Uh, speak, <laughs> speaking of Zanzan uh, uh, Zadi, what made you decide to go all on, uh, all in on this revolution? Yeah, it was. We kind of talked about it, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. It was honestly. It was, and I think you said it best, Pej. Like it, there's a sense of responsibility. I think that we have um, living here and 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 kind of having that freedom to to speak. You know, ninety percent of what we wish to speak, um, but yeah. uh, and 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 let's use that for good. You know, when I saw, um, you know, I went over some old posts that I put uh, put up, and and it's funny. I think it was the, the day I I learned about what happened to Masa Amini, mm. and and literally the only thing I could write, like I was so devastated about what was going. All, all I wrote was "enough is enough," right? Enough is enough, um, because in her I saw my students in Iran. In her, I saw, you know, the, the kids that I had met there at the university that, that I had to kind of go to bat for on numerous occasions um, for things like keeping our classroom door closed, right? Like they, they wouldn't let us do that. Why? Because there were boys and girls in the class. Oh, wow. um, so you know what's going to happen as soon as you close the door, right? What's going on in that jackass's head? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that kind of, you know, that that was there. And then when I saw that we didn't have the support, when I saw what Meta wasn't doing, when I saw what wasn't on the news, it was just, you know what, that's it. They're, they're, nobody's going to do this for us. We've been waiting 44 years for a white knight to come and liberate, you know, our people. That's not going to happen. Some of us ran away. Some of us were born in the diaspora. Some of us, you know, had to, otherwise we'd be dead. But now's the time for us to kind of stand up and go, look, this is it. And so that was when I realized, you know, it's either either Iran's going to be free or that chapter of my life is closed. Right. And so we need to go all in. And and once you do that, I think that's when you have success. It's kind of like getting rid of that safety net, getting yeah. rid of we have to go all in this fear that was bred into us by our parents and and, you know, granted, they had a good reason to fear. Um, but that fear that's been bred into us isn't helping anybody. That's how they're ruling. They're ruling by fear. Once that goes away, and that's what, you know, the the, the women in Iran started and, and the guys have yeah. followed suit, that's what it is. It's this, what are you going to do to me? And and whenever, whenever someone asks me, oh, this is just going to die down in six months, what makes you think this is different? Right. Say, the only reason this is different is because the youth have decided that dying in Iran is better than living in Iran. Yeah. And to create that situation, you're done. They're, they are absolutely done because people would rather die there than live there. That's the situation they've created. And so, you know, we it was hard to find out, you know, we wanted to spread awareness. We said, look, let's come up with a line where we can do that uh, and then we'll contribute. But in the early days, there really wasn't anywhere to go to. And so... You know, I found two nonprofits that were already existing. One was in the States. One was in Canada. The CHRI, which is the Center for Human Rights in Iran, they've been doing some really cool work for years now. Um, never been associated with any anything to do with the Islamic Republic or any of those other lobby groups that, that are kind of protecting them. Mm -hmm. And they've been lobbying for the Mass Act really since, since day one. And, and they've been really instrumental in that and spreading the word. And then there's PS752 Justice in Canada. Um, and 
know, they did that amazing demonstration out in Berlin last year. Yeah. Um, they've been working so hard to get justice for the families of, of all those individuals that were murdered, um, you know, uh, in, in that in the Ukraine flight. Um, yeah. So we figured, look, let's let's go all in. Um, let's do whatever we can and, and take it from there. Previous to that, a lot of the work that we did was, like I said, organizations in, in our local community, but also we would, you know, we do things like pay for surgeries in Iran, make sure that, you know, oh. taking care of that way. We, I think last year we did um, 17 pediatric surgeries uh, in, in Iran and then also buying the equipment for them as well. Like there were kids that, I'd see these videos and them literally like crawling on the floor in the house because they don't have wheelchairs or they don't have powered wheelchairs and or they're broken and, and, and whatever. So that that's kind of what the focus was, and it will go back to that, and we will do that as well. But right now we decided, look, this is where we need to focus a lot of energy and and make sure that the situation, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Let's make sure that Iran improves as a nation. Um, that's going to help everybody, and then we can go start you know, targeting specific areas again that need help. But yeah, that's yeah. kind of what lit the fire under this, uh, under this ass. But yeah. Yeah. that is, that is a big fire because I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling it, you know, and, and <clears throat> yeah. What other motivation do you need? Like that was, that's, inc you know, that the stories that come out of Iran, man, are, are heartbreaking. It's like to say the least. And it's just like, you know, and I, I just remember my sister going there and she said her, like, she broke down when a, a three-year-old kid was trying to sell something to make money. Like, wow. you know, like that, that shit hit me too. And I, I didn't even see it. You know, she, they were like in their car in Iran. And then this three-year-old runs up. It's like, like, do you want, do you want, uh, I think it was like a, like a cassette or something. And it's just like, it's just like, you know, and it wasn't even that much money she, he was asking for. That's what really, that's what's, yeah. that's, you know, it's just like, it's for, it's for them. man. and that those kids that this was like 10 years ago. So that kid is probably changing that country right now. You know, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. And it's heartbreaking. You're right. Like I, during that time that I was in Iran, I would see it. I'd see it on the streets. I'd see it everywhere. We would go to a, so something they do in Iran is, um, yeah, they do in Iran. I mean, somebody was doing it in Iran. I don't know if it's mm. like thing or not, but um, this was this guy's business. He would load the back of his car up with takeout from a particular restaurant, and then he would drive around the city and, and sell out of the trunk of his car. Wow. Like Kubi there or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, and, and you would go to like the mall or to a factory. It's kind of like food trucks that would go to like back in the day that would go to like different factories and, 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 and for lunch. And uh, we were at a mall and these kids were doing exactly that selling. And usually it's like they'll, they'll either sell napkins or flowers or, you know, something relatively inexpensive. Most of that money goes back to their handler. Like they all have handlers, which is really sad. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other episode. But um, I kind of I told the guy, I asked the kids, I said, where like, where are all you? Because they all live together. Right. And usually yeah, there's yeah, yeah. money that live um in a certain location they're like, like down the street i get in the guy's car i say let's go <laughs> we go down there buy out the trunk and get the food to the kid because they were just sitting there like staring at you know people coming up and buying food and you could yeah. tell these kids were hungry and they're definitely not being taken care of where they are um there's a lot of work there's a lot of work that needs to be done there there's a there's lot a lot yeah the i've first... got an aunt who does the same thing too down in well near you actually she's in okay San 
ago. Um, her and a bunch of her friends started uh, Moms Against Poverty. Uh, okay. Out of out of uh, the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. Work in Iran as well. You know, supporting the kids there, and they focus specifically on uh, on children, um, not just in Iran but other countries as well. And, um, but yeah, it, it takes an army, man. You, you need is. more to happen, and and we need the government to help and not steal from anything that uh, kind of do there either. So yeah, man, that, that is uh, yeah. You you mess with children, you you've you're asking for change, basically. That's that's what it is. You know, you're asking for it, and mm -hmm. that's there's no bigger motivator than seeing a starving child, yeah. or you know. So, mm -hmm. and I think uh, and please add to this because this was. We and I just covered this, but uh, something crazy stories that you have on your time in Iran. I mean, I'm sure this was one of them. Yeah, you know what? Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> let's lighten the mood a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. So like I said, you know, um, paid my first bribe in Iran. That was crazy. Um, had, you know, had to go toe to toe with the security at the university about hijab for my students before. Um, there was, uh, but there was one event that kind of sticks out in my mind that was absolutely insane. And that was basically going to a rave at a military complex and not just any military complex, a base that George W. Bush and, uh, and I think it was Netanyahu, Netanyahu again at the time, but Israel and the U S were talking about bombing because they suspected nuclear, um, nuclear weapons there. But the story is that, um, I, I had some students, there was a brother and sister in, in one of my classes, um, and they invited me to a party, right? I'm like, great, let's, you know, let's, let's go check it out. And they gave me the address, and this was still really early on, right? And I'm still learning the ropes. I couldn't read or write Farsi. Um, mm. You know, I, I I spoke mom and dad Farsi, which is very different than regular Farsi. Yeah. I found out, you know, uh, when I got there. What did you say? Like, that's street that I'm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what, you're not going to talk about you know economics with your parents. You're not yeah, going to talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. contracts and like yeah. that sort of thing. Like that's the extent. Yeah, yeah. this is good. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy. You know, that's the extent of what you learn. Anyway, so they they handed me the address and they wrote it out for me. I think can you write it down for me? Great. And I'm like, great. I put that in my pocket. And, you know, took it out the day of. And the addresses in Iran are also pretty ridiculous, right? They don't they don't actually give you like a proper address. I'm yeah. Park Lane. No, it's go down the street, turn left there, turn right here, turn up. It's directions. So all they had written was the end of Bobay Highway. <laughs> the end of the highway. And I did what any sane individual would do. And I basically called a cab and I went, right? Because I went, yeah, yeah. what's at the end of the highway? I thought maybe like a pot of gold or something. What's <laughs> on, right? I get out there. Um, it's a military base. Oh, and wow. Before I can say anything, a soldier gets in the car to escort us in. And and you know that moment of like, I know what's going on isn't good, but yeah, I'm already in it. Right. Speak up now, or maybe it's gonna get better. Anyways, so we, we go in and I go, Well, let, let me just text my family and let them know, you know, yeah. where I am in case they have to, you know, and I and I kind of knew the students wouldn't be taking me hostage. They were good kids. So that was that was also working in my favor. But as soon as we crossed the uh, the threshold and went into the base across the gate, dead, no service, right? Nothing oh. set up. Of course, right? It, it's a it's a nuclear base that the yeah. US Israel yeah. want to bomb. Of right. course, there's a dampening field. Like, why wouldn't there be? Sure. Anyway, at that point, point of no return. 
right? We're going, we're driving down the street, five minutes, 10 minutes, the soldier's in the front. I'm we're sitting in the back going, you know, where are they taking me? It's dark everywhere. 25 minutes later, come across this clearing. I see this, this villa in the middle of a field of tulips. Like it was gorgeous, right? Took 25 minutes to get there. As we get closer, I notice there's like a laser show and there's lights going off. In the background, I hear this dull, like, it's music, like techno going. And I'm like, what's going on? We get there, we go in. There's a, a changing room to like de-Islamify for the ladies if they want to take, you know, change their clothes. We go into the party. There was there was a young lady speaking to the fireplace, um, you know, totally tripping out. There were Texas Mickeys of alcohol across the wall. There was a DJ set up, you know, doing, yeah. doing his thing. Um, it was it it was a huge party in a military complex in the Islamic wow. Republic of Iran. It was absolutely insane. It wow, insane and surreal. But but that's what Iran is, right? It's this total dichotomy. Yeah, uh, and yeah. People are going to do what they want to do, no matter what, and and you can't stop them um, when it comes to freedom and and being able to express yourself, even if you're a uh, you know, a colonel's kid, and you end up getting the keys from mom and dad and throwing them <laughs> at, a, at a military base, right? So, Dang. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah, was, well, that's, that's incredible. That's a uh, crazy story. I saw, I saw that show Tehran and, and mm -hmm. they show a scene like that, I think, in, in that, in that show where, where, and I, it's a very well thought out show because it's very accurate, right, to, mm -hmm. to what's really happening. So now you, you just confirm that then, Man, yeah, I hope that lady didn't get burned talking to the fire. But uh. <laughs> she was having a good time, it sounded like. So, uh, yeah, she's okay. She's okay. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Um, dude, this uh, we can talk for hours, and and uh, we only scratched the surface of you know, uh, this topic and also just learning about your experience as an Iranian Canadian, um, and you know, I, I'd love to uh, know when you're ever coming out to the States, coming to Cali uh, to connect with you in person. And maybe we do the next time you're on, which I want you on again, of course. And uh, next time you're on, I want us to do this in person if possible. So, Absolutely. And hopefully it's a free Iran that time. Right. And yes. that would be that's what we're all fighting for. Um, and to all the diaspora that is getting the, the their patients tested right now with this. Um, we got to remember, uh, the king left Iran after the first revolution or devolution is what I call it. Is uh, It took 15 months for that to happen. Okay. And there wasn't even that much fight back with that one. So this one, just understand it's a process, right? These guys have occupied that country. They've put a chokehold on it for 44 years, but, you know, it's, they realize it's time and it, they're going to fight. It's like a wounded animal. One of my previous episodes, we talked about it. It's like when an animal's wounded, they're going to they're gonna fight. They're going to scratch. They're going to claw. They're going to bite until they have no more power. And then and, and that, that's literally what's happening with Khamenei and his goons. My only hope is Khamenei doesn't fucking eat dirt right before this thing is over. I want him to pay for his crimes. I want him to, to – we need justice served. Um, and uh, that day's coming. It's coming soon. Guys, follow retail.therapy.clinic on Instagram and TikTok. 
visit their web website. I almost said website because I'm Iranian. <laughs> it, it slipped out. My eight years in Iran is still strong. Um, uh, retailtherapyclinic.com, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dot com. So um, support it, right? It's it's a great cause. It's a great company. It's um, And stay tuned for some cool things coming up between uh, – Mo, myself, and a few other friends uh, in California and outside of California. So it's going to be exciting stuff. Um, dude, pleasure was all mine. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, subscribe to Fumble Podcast, everyone. Uh, this has been episode 103. I'm Pej the Maniac. Um, we'll catch you guys soon on episode 104. Appreciate you, Mo. Okay, thank you. Thanks for having me, Pej. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure.